we have to continuously be jumping off cliffs and developing our own wings on the way down. Kirk Vonnegut. This is Sincerely Yours, and I'm your host, Cece Denno. Hello, pen pals, and welcome to Sincerely Yours. This is a podcast about growth through experience where I provide tips, suggestions, and slight nudges in a new direction. And we have always quotables for the beginning of every episode. And the one for this episode is we have to continuously be jumping off cliffs and developing our wings on the way down. Kurt Vonnegut. And I got this from my Pinterest board because I'm all out of quotables. If you would like to submit a quotable to be read at the beginning of a future episode, go ahead and email me. The email is sincerelyyours at writeme.com or you can find me all over social media and that's on Facebook and Instagram at ccknowsitall or on Twitter at sincerelyccd. If you've also enjoyed the podcast and want to support the podcast, please subscribe. It would do me a huge favor and go ahead and share on social media with your friends. If you have an episode in mind that was super helpful for you, I know that the food prep episode and the stress and anxiety episode have been popular. So if you know a friend or a family member who might benefit from these episodes, share with them and get the podcast out there. If they're not podcasting listeners, share how to download a podcast, how to listen to it, how to find new podcast and be a change agent, which brings me to the topic of this episode, which will talk about change and innovation and all sorts of good things. So with that, let's go for it. I recently finished a book called Diffusion of Innovations by Everett M. Rogers, and it wasn't your typical, you know, pick pick me up book, um, but the topic caught my attention and I was interested to find out what impact uh, change and innovations have. And I attended a conference a couple years ago, and one of the topics was being innovative and what the company can do to be more innovative and make changes and be, you know, um, shakers in the industry. So it ended up being a huge delight and it was filled with examples and little stories and I really enjoyed reading the book and I actually just read through it to prepare for this podcast and just like so many ideas flooded back and I realized how much I really did enjoy this book. So I'm just going to go through and 
take apart some of the key points that I found in the book and we'll follow up with a conclusion. So if you are looking at the innovative decision process, so if you are someone who is introduced to a new product or a new innovation and this is generally how you would go through either adopting or rejecting the innovation. So first we have your prior conditions and what sort of environment you're in. So typically how you handle the practice of a process, how you feel that there's a need or there's a problem, if there is something that would make a process better or if you're looking for something that lacks, um, that would make your life more beneficial. And then we look at um, the individual and how their innovativeness scales. So if you're typically someone who um, tries things new constantly or if you really have to be settled in your social circle making changes. And then what are the norms of a social system, which um, pointed out in the book to be a huge um, impact on how individuals make change. And so with these prior conditions, um, we go through the first stage of knowledge and the characteristics of the decision-making unit. So what are the socioeconomic characteristics? Are you on the end that has more disposable income that can bounce back from, you know, making a change if it didn't go well, or if you're going to be more on the cautious side and um, have to have proof in front of you that, the change is necessary. So also with the personality variables with um, that matches up with your innovativeness. And then also communication behavior um, is a huge factor that plays into do you have access to communication? Do you rely on print or visual aids. So if you listen to like a lot of radio or if you watch a lot of TV, what are the communication channels that you have access to? Which will move us to the persuasion stage and the perceived characteristics of the persuasion stage. So we have relative advance, which, um, is sort of the progression of where the prior advance is and um, is it sort of like the next step forward or is it going to be like a huge leap forward that there's an unknown in the middle? And then we look at compatibility. So how likely someone is to find that the innovation has the matches in their life and uh, complexity. So the book really emphasized on if you're going to bring in like a social change or um, a new product, the complexity makes a huge difference. So 
if you have the skills already in place to adapt a new change or innovation, then, um, then you're more likely to use it. And so if it's complicated and if it requires like a few steps to learn to finally get to the new change or innovation, then it's more likely not going to be adaptable. Um, we also have trialability. So if you have a product and you have access within your social circle, if you can use the product on like a test basis, you're going to more likely adapt it in your life. Um, and then observability. So is it visual? Can you see the benefits? Are they going to be close to what you're looking for? And so all of these characteristics will make your persuasion one way or another, which brings us to the decision. And there's only two decisions that you can choose from. So either there's going to be adoption or rejection, which leads us into the type of adopters. So if you're going to go down the adoption route, then we have innovators and they account for two and a half percent of the population. They are the ones that are a little wacky. They're you know, perceived as being forward thinking or like, I guess you could say a little off the rocket, but they're really the ones that are the first in line to make these innovations relative. So they generally are on the higher on the socioeconomic scale. They, um, they're more prone to be able to bounce back from, you know, situations where it didn't work out in their favor. They are the ones who are buying the Tesla cars. <laughs> so um, they're like the first ones. And then we have early adopters, which accounts for 13 and a half percent of um, the general population. So the early adopters these are actually the people that are respected in the community. So if you have early adopters, they are going to help others have the image of what the success of the innovation is going to be. Next, we have the early majority, which accounts for 34% of the population this is the opportunity where it's really going to sink in about the change. So if you are in the early majority stage, your social group uh, typically will lead to the adopter categories, which then leads us to late majority, 34% of the population and the laggards, 16% um, that account for the population. And these last two groups they are the most cautious. They are the ones who are more traditional with their thinking. It'll have to be as time goes by, if the late majority and the laggers are going to make a change, it will have, you know, been present in the social circle of theirs and it will 
definitely take a lot of pushing and pulling for someone to make a change. So I did mention your social group. So the book really did emphasize um, your social group is a huge part of the way you perceive the innovations. So I put a little note here. Individuals tend to be linked to others who are close to them in physical distance and who are relatively homophilous in social characteristics. So you tend to have conversations with people who think like you, who behave like you, who value the same things that you value. And this was like such a huge eye opener. Like, ah, it was so weird to have a book just lay out, um, in what you experience for everyday life. So this part was like super fascinating to me. And so they did give a little example. Um, if you remember Paul Revere's ride. So the reason why it ended up being as successful as it was when he rode through the middle of the night saying the British are coming, the British are coming through Massachusetts. And <laughs> he ended up going to people who were opinion leaders in the communities. And little known fact, there was actually a second guy named William Dawes who also went down through the towns in Massachusetts, letting people know that the British were coming. The difference between Paul Revere and William Dawes is that Paul Revere was very much a part of the tavern social circles who were frustrated with the king and who were really like the movers and shakers of the community. So he already had a built-in circle of people who were looking around and seeing the same thing as he was for William Dawes. What ended up happening, he just randomly ended up going to people's doors, didn't know who they were, letting them know that the British were coming and these people just ended up going back to bed. So if you look to how important your social circle is, and this made a huge difference in the colonist being prepared for when the British were going to arrive. And so I want you to think about your social group and if they push you in ways that you benefit from their opinion, from their behavior, if you want to, you know, make a change in your life, if you can find a social circle that will support that change and, you know, keep you on the right track. And so... The book also talked about the strength of weak ties theory, and this was so much fun to learn about. And so um, it gave a little example of a job seeker who was from out of town and, you know, flew into Logan Airport in Massachusetts, in Boston, and, you know, caught a ride with, um, for, 
of course, it's like the 1980s, caught a ride with someone um, in a taxi and explained, you know, he was looking for a job and, you know, he was out in Boston trying to, you know, make connections and check with people. And the guy he shared a ride with ended up having a job, an accountant that they needed for their company and they made the connection. So the benefit of finding someone outside of your immediate social group they can bring a huge benefit to what you want to accomplish. So someone outside of your social circle, they're not going to know you very well. They're going to see things from their perspective. They're going to bring, you know, their view into things. When you have your immediate social group, they know you very well and they can't really see, you know, what you're struggling with there might not be able to give you the best options for, you know, bringing in a new change. So if you are looking for a job, your network is so important here. And it's funny because you always hear about, you know, maintaining your network and how important it is. And I'm always on LinkedIn and, and it's true. There's actual, you know, research behind that this actually works and, you know, you're going to get the job. You're going to find the new boyfriend if you go outside of your social circle. So, um, I highly recommend this book. The conclusion that I found, um, from reading it was, see what's happening around you and branch out. If you're going to be more aware of things and, you know, make the real benefit, it's just going to be a huge success for you. And so finally, um, with the conclusion in mind, you're going to look at the last two remaining stages of the innovation decision process, which would be implication how you're going to keep it keep the change in innovation decision um implement it into your own life and then the confirmation how you're going to create a habit and a pattern of the change so i hope you've enjoyed this episode as much as i enjoyed the book um i know that this is sort of like just like a glossy overview of the book. Um, if you are curious to know more about it, you know, you can always email me, uh, sincerely yours at rhyme.com. And I also want to know, um, what is in your life that's, um, creating a hassle for you. Like if you could think of if this only one thing existed and would make my life so much better, what would that item be? This topic fascinates me, so hopefully that you found it fascinating as well. Um, But like I said, reach out. Um, And we have the new year coming, so let's bring in 2018. Make those changes. Um, And with that, I look forward to next time. Mm -hmm.